0: okay michael so you're i say you're the leader of your kingdom right and you are trying to uh set a good example you're at the i say things are going have been going well for your predecessors awesome right yeah yeah but it's it's been going really well lately but these uh i say these darn bishops i mean you've seen i say you've seen them before before you became king and now uh, They're, they're, they're back and they're causing trouble again. They're getting people to kind of spread revolt, uh, dissent. Uh, what are you going to do about this?
1: Oh, um, I, I'm going to try and, uh, persuade them by, uh, I'm going to try and appease them, the cat, the, those bishops by, you know, not persecuting them as much as my father did. He, he, he went a little too harsh and maybe if I try to appease them, that'll work.
0: Okay, sure um let's have you make a persuasion check then oh um an eight how does that work uh, an eight doesn't really quite cut it they're still just say causing trouble uh you're definitely sensing that there's some faction splitting inside of your kingdom here so oh that's uh, not good we're looking that's... yeah we're looking for some rough <laughs> some rough storms oh. here storms oh, are brewing this is um, this 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 is brutal. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, let's let's keep moving on. And uh, but you know the good news is is your kingdom still doing fine. Um, but we're looking, and you can kind of see that there's uh, there's a rival king, and his kingdom seems to be uh, kind of skirting the border, kind of encroaching on your land. You you're a little bit concerned that they're that they're poised to attack on you.
1: Ooh, okay. Um, I will. Uh, um, I'll have a feast with this king, and I'll try to to get him to sign a peace treaty, so that way he doesn't attack us.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I'm feel. I say, let's shake it up a little bit, and that's I say I like it. Uh, and after all, if a feast is not a performance, so let's have you roll a performance check.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome. Uh, how about a four? <laughs>
0: you know as well as i do that doesn't work Um, yeah yeah the food must have been bad or something yeah Uh, yeah he did sign the treaty but uh yeah i don't know if it's gonna work no that's yeah that's not gonna work he it doesn't take long and you think things are going well and then all of a sudden your lands are being invaded so Mm -hmm. all right so we're in combat um i've already got you all uh, say your initiative tallied up and everything so let's just have you just roll for attack we're just gonna have you and your army we're gonna go together let's right, go Sounds let's good. Roll. this is
1: the last stand right here oh it's a nat one and i lost all of my lucky rolls Ugh. Ugh.
0: what is this this is the quest for power Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Quest for Power, where we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. We are your hosts, devastator of mediocre lords and noisy rollers of dice, Scott and Michael. And if you listened to the previous episode, we discussed uh, Uric bringing Visigoths uh, to the height of their power. And this is, of course, after he murdered or at least uh, according to the sources, which may be a little bit um, biased, as we talked about last time, is that he murdered both of his brothers, and he uh, managed to break the precedent, which is I honestly was, surprising.
1: I was going to say, he was a ends justify the means kind of guy. He... he if he didn't do a slight bit of murdering of his brothers and persecuting the Catholics, he would have gone down as one of the great kings of history. But uh um, I still think he was great, even though if the sources do not, I thought he was fun. At least as a character.
0: Yeah, it's kind of... I know uh when we were talking about this that my memory on this whole topic was a little bit hazy today but it is slowly coming back as the uh yurik the the high ranking man of ruthlessness um, <laughs> i thought he was pretty good and yeah. it's a shame but yeah you can't let a little bit of fratricide get in the way of you making a good name for yourself
1: so. yeah yeah it, it just yeah it really is sucks that it puts such a dark spot on your history but eh, what can you do
0: yeah, I guess just unforgivable sins.
1: Yeah, okay, Scott. So I'm looking to expand my power and influence
0: over the realm. How how can I do this? That's a good question. That you can do at podchaser.com, where you can give us awesome five-star reviews. Of course, like we said last time, we'll read uh, the five-star reviews. So... Give us something. Give us give us some more content. Give us something to do. Something to say. Yeah. Give us some something to talk
1: about. If you want to talk about some king or queen and make me research it just to talk
0: about your review, I will gladly do that. There we go. Just uh, don't go too far in the future. We gotta. We're trying to keep a continuity here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna be jumping around enough as it is without going
1: all the way. To the, to the future research prince
0: charles <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah i'm sorry th- king charles
1: <laughs> oh yeah a yeah, king now oh man i've been lately this week i've been mapping out like our roadmap and there are so many different ways we can go about it um like for an example, after this, I first, I thought we're going to do the Sweevy kingdom. And I was getting excited about it and was researching them. And then they have nothing in terms of sources. They have the names of the Kings. Some of them actually have things that they did and that's it. Like we get, we get nothing. So, you know, we can't do an episode on them. So then I was like, all right, let's try the Burgundians. And, uh, this is a and uh, that also didn't work because they also just get conquered right away and get kind of slapped around by the Franks. So then I was like, "All right, next we'll do the Vandals," and thankfully we can do them. So that is who we're going to be doing next after our Visigoths here. But awesome. um, but before we get to that, we have today Alaric, second of his name, king of the Visigoths. Can he do as well as Alaric the First, who we all love? And he could never
0: be Alaric, except him. He, (laughs) he's Alaric.
1: (laughs) You'll never be Alaric, except for
0: Alaric the Second. Oh,
1: yeah. Will Will the sequel be as good as the original? Alrighty, so, gotta throw out a disclaimer this week. I have a feeling in the future I'll be throwing out a lot of disclaimers. The sources are really kind of murky during Alaric's rule. Uh, this is one version of events that transpired, um, cobbling a whole bunch of different sources together. And the truth is something we'll never know. But then again, that seems to be the par for the course of this era. Uh, Herwig Wolfram in the History of Goths, which is one of my favorite sources is he opens up his chapter on the eighth visigothic king quote heleric's reign gets no full treatment in the sources and the little they do contain is overshadowed by his death at the battle of Vui, i guess and the downfall of the tulesian kingdom
0: unquote we can tell things are going well for him already or will go well
1: yeah yeah you're this is about to be a real yeah you can see the path is really strong and bright the the sources this week are very interesting you can clearly see that they had a narrative that they wanted to push which was the downfall of the kingdom of Toulouse and Alaric's role in it they were so good at pushing this narrative when I first dove into this research it made Alaric appear nothing more than a weak, pathetic king. That is a disgrace to the name Alaric. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an easy torch him. And I got all the way through the, the researching it and then realized this is just one version. And in fact, there's another version that shows eh, it's a little different than what just the, the Catholic historians, mainly uh, Gregory of Tours, wanted you to think
0: yeah well yeah again when you know the ending of a story it does kind of uh and you have your biases it does help to uh paint that story along the way makes me think of like uh kind of at least for me how like if you if you ever watch like the the star wars prequels it just feels so much you're like the ham-fisted in some cases (laughs) about like the downfall because you know how how it it's gonna end right Correct, it's called yeah. a prequel, you know. So, the, so it feels like that they just ham fist a lot of that stuff in because how are you, you know, how else are you otherwise supposed to like play out, you know, this this downfall? And it feels like that to me where they go, oh, you know, he basically has this, you know, this negative ending, and we're going to basically not only push that negative ending throughout his entire life, but also use that for our own political gain
1: (laughs) yeah i mean the 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 source here gregory of tours was very pro franks and that's because well he was in the frankish kingdom and they were giving him tons of freedoms and wealth as a bishop so of course you're going to reward your kings by telling them that the person they defeated was you know complete garbage
0: yeah of course i mean that's why uh, all the sweeby kings are garbage right i mean if <laughs> yeah. we saw their like you said they didn't have much history because the the darn visigoths kept wiping them out every time
1: <laughs> they, they have history it just wasn't written
0: down <laughs> at least yeah because they didn't the, survive <laughs> their their libraries of alexandria kept getting burned
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that or it's buried in a mountain sometime somewhere up in, in northeastern spain the tablet the tablet all right. All right. Uh, getting to the main quest. Alaric II is the son of our previous King Euric and Queen Consort Ragnagild. Reg, wow. I'm going to be really good at saying these names. It is said of him, quote, Alaric II inherited neither his father's ability nor his strength of will not the most flattering of descriptions that's not what you'd want on your tombstone
0: yeah well like i said it sounds like uh catherine the great syndrome
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah. like you were talking about last last week uh he succeeds his uh father on december 28th 484 and he is the great grandson of alaric the first who is our favorite until yurik came along so that's pretty cool that he's Only a great grandson, that's a lot of, that's pretty interesting. Through all the kings we went, we're only that generation away from when we started and under Alaric.
0: That's what I thought. But when you think about it, I suppose, you know, lives being shorter back then. But, you know, even just, what was it, that'd be like four generations, right? Not between them, but in total, you know, counting the both of them. That's, like, four generations because, yeah, you have, you know, person and then, you know, parent, grandparent, great-grandparent. Yeah. So, yeah. I it's... mean, if you cover, even at minimum, like, 25 years, that's, you know, minimum. Yeah. And that's, again, still, that... that's still a century right there. So, a lot can happen in a uh, hundred years. And we have certainly had our rulers and, honestly, the clock, the the uh the kingly clock kind of got sped up in the last couple just because of all the murders going on but yeah yeah it kind of speeds up time when all there is is death and that kind
1: of speeds up the when the narrative starts going you think time's going really quick and it's like no that's only been a hundred years through all all of that you know nonsense yeah. that we
0: went through i said i gave a very conservative estimate i mean we know full well that like you know some of these people lived, you know longer than that yeah, correct. Most of them did, I believe. Just... Yeah.
1: And even, and this is just what some sources say. They could complete, be completely wrong. So many kings love to say they're descendants of this other king. We're going to come up on it again and again. Um, the House of Wessex, uh, 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 when we go to England, they're descendants of like King Arthur, I think, at one point, they say, or um, of Woden, if you go way back into there. <laughs> You know, Woden, the Norse god.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I say we want to be descendants of King Arthur. You mean the guy who got beat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah the beat by, yeah, who got uh, slapped around by Uric. <laughs> That's right.
1: So right off to begin in Alaric's reign in northern France, there's a boy Frankish to king named Clovis the First. He conquers the kingdom of Paris, but he fails to capture uh, King Siegres who must be another uh, like Frankish king that he's trying to subjugate, because that's what the Franks love to do. Hmm. He managed to flee the protection of, um, to the protection of Toulouse, so the Visigothic capital, the King Seagrist did, and Clovis, upon hearing this, was outraged and demanded to Alaric that he should hand over the king. Alaric according to the sources was like shaking in his boots and was so scared of Clovis that he gave up you know Sigris immediately and which then Clovis had him beheaded (gasps) which Gregory of Tours uses to show that quote the Goths are a timorous race so despite being an obvious display of weakness for all he broke the visigoths proud tradition of observing the duties of hospitality you know they'll murder their brothers you know for the throne and everything but they will make sure that they observe the the rights that you don't you know destroy the people that come into your house not you don't go full blown red wedding on them Hmm. so him doing this in the eyes of the Visigoths would bring dishonor on your whole family, dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. <laughs> <laughs> There's a problem with this fun little story. Clovis' kingdom at this time reaches no further than the Seine River, and there was a like a, a Gallic a Gallo, like a Roman buffer kingdom. That he didn't conquer until later so between him and the visigoths so clovis wouldn't have been any threat to alaric at this time wow. yes later down the road he might be but right now when this is happening alaric wouldn't he
0: could tell him to go to hell
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's got to go through a kingdom first that and nowhere else is it written that sagras was handed over in 486 or 487 where it is said to have occurred by gregory of tours so there's no there's no uh it, 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 in court there's no you know corroborating evidence of this so as years go by clovis starts actually pushing into alaric's kingdom the sources go on this long elaborate narrative of how how righteous clovis is and after going after the pathetic visigoth arian king alaric so at this point though when he's first going after alaric he's a pagan king and it's not until 494 that he converts to christianity so this isn't some holy war at this point
0: yeah Well, it is in the eyes of the sources,
1: of course, of course. Again, it's great being the victors. So despite of the borders of his kingdom being attacked, Alaric, he, you know, he really wasn't that pathetic of a king that they made him out to be. Don't get me wrong. He's not great. In fact, though, in 490, he helped his father-in-law, Theodoric, the soon to be great in his conquest of Italy. And the story says that at one point, Theodoric was trapped by his rival, Odysseus in the siege of Pavia, and they're fighting over supremacy of Italy at this time. And Theodoric dispatched troops to um, go after Odysseus, which forced him to lift the siege, otherwise he would, you know, be sandwiched in between two forces. And eventually, Theodoric would go on to defeat Odysseus and become king of Italy and get the title Theodoric the Great. So he helped out the greats. So that's, you know, you're not t- terrible by that.
0: He's got his military experience under his belt.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's got some. So sometime in the decade of 500, I don't recall the exact date. Um, after Clovis had converted to Christianity, he attacked his filthy Aryan brother-in-law, Gundobad, who's king of the Burgundians, that one kingdom i wanted to talk about but we don't got names because they get conquered <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great name for a king gundobad that, that's that's solid right there use that in like a
0: story or a video game can use it in my DD campaign
1: yeah there you go
0: use it in the DD campaign there we go i got a place i got a place for gundobad
1: oh i'm excited to see him pop up <laughs> So Catholic sources claim that Clovis soundly defeated Gundobad and Alaric was too busy, you know, sweating his pants in the fear of mighty Clovis to help his fellow Arian out. And they go so far as to push the narrative more and then say, uh, instead of assisting Gundobad, he just wrote him a letter. Basically, I'm sorry that you're going through this. (laughs) It didn't help Gundobad. But that letter was um, sent to Clovis, which really ticked him off, <laughs> <laughs> so, which would make Alaric even more fearful. So in the eyes of the sources, you're so scared of this guy that you won't, you know, like help your uh, ally in this in this fight. You know, you won't help him to push off your enemy, but you'll send a little letter to him going like, eh, sorry
0: yeah you know only the you know this mighty powerful kingdom too bad so sad we you know we the visigoths don't have the power <laughs> to do that
1: yeah we we, we conquer we have most of, of of southern france and all of spain but ugh, can't can't help you there
0: the good part of france too
1: yeah that is true Problem is, is that when the sources state when the Franks attacked the Burgundians, Alaric assisted Gundobad, and and to the point that Gundobad gave him Avignon, which is a prosperous city in southern France. Mm, All
0: right.
1: So he so like the fact that he ceded Avignon to him is well documented. So either he attacked Gundobad to get that city or he helped him and Gundobad for some reason just handed him that city so yeah. you know
0: maybe the letter was worded really well <laughs>
1: <laughs> well after that whole fiasco, in 502, Alaric and Clovis met for a feast on an island in the Loire River near Ambrose, which is like western France, but more close to the middle. It's kind of hard to describe sometime with this geography mm-hmm. and get people to get a picture. But the feast led to a peace treaty agreed by the two nations. And as you probably can guess, you could guess how the catholic sources elaborated this wonderful story to show how pathetic and bad alaric was long long story short they made it seem like alaric was like kissing clovis's boots and was showering him with praise and they actually used the word that he was alaric was being cringy towards clovis which is a funny description (laughs) of of a historical event
0: I guess uh, I'll seed my uh, my sainthood. I guess uh, um, Alaric II may be the uh, <laughs> yeah, this, the, patron, the saint patron saint of, saint of, of cringe. cringe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So there's zero evidence, of course, of denying or uh, that can confirm or deny his behavior. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think he probably didn't have as much power in the negotiations as he would have liked there's some truth in every story but you know yeah. i don't think it was that bad
0: yeah history is dramatized
1: yeah yeah it's in nothing about, new <laughs> in about four years go by and not really anything to note because god forbid we uh write down what's going on in these years In 504 by the man of name peter who used to be a Roman governor, tried to claim imperial authority in Spain. In short, um, like a previous person high up in the Roman society went, you know what, I'm actually the king in this area. And as you can imagine, that wouldn't go over well with Alaric and his, you know, his court. That is not a good look when someone is openly declaring themselves, you know, the leader or the ruler within your kingdom.
0: Yeah, we're bringing Rome back, baby.
1: <laughs> Even though in every facet, Alaric is you know called inept, he actually manages to capture the important city of Tortosa from Peter, and he puts Peter's head on a nice spike. So again, another little victory there.
0: Good for him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, gotta quell your rivals. Yeah. Um. Yeah. can't let the roman empire claw its way back or let the man invoke rome's dying breath as uh <laughs> yeah yeah as his uh, righteous claim to power so yeah that was good
1: yeah yeah it's good things are going really well right uh well uh despite their negotiated peace clovis knew he had the upper hand on alaric alaric as much as i try to defend him he is not his father's son, like his father's <laughs> son at all. He had stronger forces, uh, Clovis had stronger forces and he knew it. So he began to slowly like encroach in on Alaric's lands. And it also didn't hurt that he converted to Catholicism, which was the main religion of the, the, the Gallic subjects. Who were you know in the frankish territory and they were being whipped up into a frenzy by the rebellious bishops that you know yurik was either killing or putting out of power he decided to give them a little bit of leniency and therefore um gave them more power and really you know was able to go against him
0: yeah well sounds like yurik didn't uh, do a good enough job of uh persecuting
1: yeah yeah he needed to do a better job we need
0: an inquisition
1: (laughs) yes yes that is true nobody ever expects a spanish inquisition alaric immediately asked for help from his father ostrogothic king theodoric the great who is now theodoric the great and uh theodoric the great agreed to send troops to protect his daughter theodogotha and the king so he called in a favor from you know hey you know when i you know when i helped you out there become you know king of italy you want to help me protect my kingdom right now alaric was very aware that he stood no chance against clovis and his holy army he needed to put off fighting as long as possible until reinforcements could arrive however it became really really clear that the advancing franks were you know advancing way faster than the goss could retreat and his advisors put it to him plainly that you have to stand and fight we have no chance otherwise we're going to be cut down while we're running and you know that's not honorable and and stuff like that granted i personally would rather stand and fight even though that sounds terrifying to me rather than just get stabbed in the back while you're running away anyway
0: yeah well it depends i mean there's a lot of places where you can just because, I mean, one of the biggest factors in military is logistics, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of cases where uh, there's a lot of victory just by, like, seeding ground and just being like, okay, you can come to us. You can stretch out, you know, your supplies, um, things like that, depending yeah. on how much you're willing to kind of, like, burn the landscape and scorched earth, you know, your land as you retreat. You can make a war pretty darn costly,
1: if you're a good general Alaric is not a good general he apparently not he his empire was pretty desolate he debased his coinage at this point he uh, was trying to force people into service because he really wasn't you know he wasn't he he had no backbone is the best way to describe it like you had uric who this would have never happened to if yurik would have lived for like 10 years more we would have an entirely different period
0: but i just find it incredible that it feels like that you know we went from the highest high to oh we can't fight to defend our lands kind of i know it's like night and day and it's very rare that things ever go night and day as far as you know military strength things like that unless you get you know wiped out in a battle
1: yeah i could not find anything to explain that because i thought the same thing when i was looking up this stuff is i couldn't figure i because i agree i was like nothing happens in a vacuum you don't j- go from like like the roman empire it didn't go from this gl- glorious empire to col- complete and utter collapse you know over overnight it took a long time and you would think this kingdom, which has been well-established, it was the most powerful one in the region. I mean, it had stood up to the Roman Empire. How would it collapse, like, overnight, pretty much, just from one king? Did Uruk really have that much power? Yeah. That's, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, it's... Yeah. It, it's hard to say, especially because, you know, again, the, the, the sources get incredibly biased, so... Um yurik being classified as ruthless you know maybe exaggerate some of his more uh powerful traits you know even if it was unintentional by the catholic sources you know <laughs> they're just like we yeah. don't like this guy because he's you know because he you know went after catholic bishops but you know yurik obviously being on the the wrong end of the the, the catholic holy war that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so alec drew up his forces on the infamous v- f- the field of Vauclade off the banks of the clane river which is a few miles south of Poitiers, france for those who don't have a google maps up the best description is the center western point in france again right that seems where a lot of this stuff is going on so he readied his men probably gave a rousing speech or <laughs> one of the worst speeches ever. I would love to have heard that speech before the Franks came, hoping against all odds that the Ostrogothic reinforcements would come and save his life. Do you think they got there on time?
0: Of course not. Yeah, they're just, yeah, just, all right, guys, Uh, go do this or I yeah, guess you'll all die if you don't they'll take over your lands and you know burn down your your homes go get them tiger <laughs>
1: <laughs> very uh, uh, high charisma right there the <laughs> well you're, you're correct the reinforcements did not arrive on time the franks eviscerated the visigothic army that desperately needed the reinforcements and Alaric second of his name king of the Visigoths was slain in battle that's it kind of a uh, story so that's the end of Alaric the second and actually the end of our first quest line following the Balti dynasty of the Visigoths there are two kings that will follow him but after the death of Alaric that really just triggers a cascading effect the political unity of the visigothic kingdom is completely shattered the remaining balti kings that are part of this line are put into power as a new way of like doing things they're more of they're way more elected and you know the power is much more in the nobles and the old visigothic power structure is destroyed in this one battle
0: Good job, Alaric the <laughs> second. You'll never be Alaric.
1: <laughs> no, you never will be Alaric. So we're gonna leave the uh, yeah, I thought it was kinda of poetic also to you know, we start with Alaric the First who is the mighty and ferocious king and end with Alaric the second who is kind of a dud sequel.
0: Yeah, the sequels are never as good.
1: Yeah, no, the originals usually are better. So we're going to leave the Visigoths gossip that are in turmoil for now. And we are going to turn to the vandals so you can learn all about vandalism. As I'm there sure you go. You.
0: We got to <laughs> learn about the, uh, the origin of the word, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 Figure out why we call it that. Uh, you'll you'll uh, agree is the reason why they call it that after, I think, a few episodes.
0: Yeah. Well, well said we don't as i say hey, we uh it, it feels really cool to have the distinction of being the uh the reason <laughs> of a <laughs> of a name for destruction
1: yeah yeah it's a good name too, vandal um, yeah <laughs> really is so are you ready to raid him
0: uh yeah with what we got i guess
1: <laughs> Alrighty all right how do you think he was a how good of a player was he in the real game of thrones
0: i mean sounds like no matter what he bias sources or not he's pretty bad he had uh you know he put down i guess his rival in spain was that right yeah right spain which is kind of which is kind of funny because uh feels like that's just the the proving grounds for any visigothic king at this point like <laughs> yeah, it yeah. may not be the sweeby but it, you know it's it's close it's... spain is probably just like the the uh, ceremonial battlegrounds for them for them at this point
1: yeah yeah it's like the training grounds i agree but that's, that's the uh...
0: only thing probably he's got going for him like even if uh you know the the sources are heavily biased and that he's not as weak and as pathetic as he sounds. He still, like, he's not, does not come out well on negotiations, apparently. And he, even he, he did not manage to uh, feel He did not manage to be imposing enough to keep that treaty, uh, peace treaty.
1: I mean, you could argue with just the facts of like you had Eurek, the rise of the the Visigoths to its height, and then you have Alaric who like loses half the empire. That you know, <laughs> you're not. It happened overnight. That's just shocking to me that you, you can be that bad.
0: Yeah, I, again, the 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 night and day kind of aspect of the uh, you know height of the kingdom to basically extinct it puts red flags in my mind but uh we're we're just gonna have to take it what it is is that you know i think he's got one good thing going and that was pretty much his battle proving grounds in spain yeah that it's all duds
1: yeah i think the big thing like especially what makes him even look even worse is you have him and he in this period is stacked up against theodoric the great You know he earns the title the great, and then you have Clovis the first, who is like considered one of the the first like France ruler. You know of the Merovingians is Clovis, and then he comes after his father Euric the first, and he's named after Alaric. Like (laughs) that's either he had a lot of pressure and succumbed to it, or it's just it is what it is he really isn't yeah. that
0: good well let's uh let's put let's tack a number to this yeah what i yeah one w- one like what did he do other like he did well on i'm in spain I, and everything else is kind of like is I a downfall can't... of the kingdom. You're really not getting much lower as, than as that. As
1: much, yeah, that's what I mean. As much as I want, I tried to really make it. I tried to make it somewhat interesting by, you know, showing that maybe the the sources weren't there. But I honestly see a zero. You go from Damn. the heights of the Visigoths to shattering the power structure. That's a zero. You did not right. play
0: that well. Yeah, I'll give him his one point. gets
1: one there we go so look at that
0: royal mischief
1: so i actually have something for this section and it's only based on a like a like an inference so he has a bastard son named Gasolik. so we can speculate that he had an affair which resulted in a child out of wedlock so that gets you some points
0: gasp scandalous i'm gonna give him two two I'll give him one. All
1: right. Th- so he gets that's... a total
0: of three points there. All right. All right.
1: Religious passion. The sources gave me nothing. I. He, yeah. if anything, he was less passionate because he wasn't persecuting the Catholics as harshly as a yeah. good Aryan would. <laughs> he was
0: an Aryan. Uh, that's nothing. That's that's just zeros at that point.
1: Yeah. You know. alignment how would you put this individual alignment
0: i think that he Prob. let's see let's start with the good or evil spectrum we'll we'll start there um i'll say that he's more good and the only reason being is that he didn't really he I say he didn't really hurt anybody <laughs> he actually <laughs> he actually appeased the you know the catholic yeah he uh, tried bishops. to appease them yeah and that's that's pretty you know good intended not good in the you know long game and the outcomes but i think that his intentions are good and so i'll give him that all right um, i'll give him that yep okay so he's good and then his uh lawful versus chaotic
1: i mean i am gonna have he, to give him lawful and i am just gonna give treaty. you a <laughs> quick little quick little thing as he creates um he gets a bunch he creates something called the breviary of alaric he takes what his father did and he expands on it big time so i think based on that he would get lawful because he created more laws
0: okay yeah well like i said it just strikes me as lawful as well yeah because you know, i said whether he was actually good at being his lawful good self was hotly for debate but you know at least he is uh, he gets the the gold star for good intentions i guess but, like uh, like Flanders says, is uh, my family can't live in good intentions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that is correct. So, okay. So, he gets his points of that's five. five. That's five. That's five for each of us. So,
0: ten. Look at that. He's got wow. something going for him. That's
1: exciting stuff. How long do you think he reigned? Oh, you know,
0: we kind of glanced over that part. Oh, but, you know, so it sounds like his. He just had a long and protracted just decline. I mean, he's probably got like a good at least like 18 years on him. Solid. He reigned from
1: 484 to 507. So 23 years. That's pretty okay. darn... That's, that's, a, that's a solid guess there. Half a and... decade.
0: Yeah. It just felt like yeah he had a whole lot of nothing. And again, he was at the height of the kingdom at the start, presumably. So there's kind of yeah. uh, a lot of buffer to work with and retreating takes a while so there's
1: yeah a and lot then to... and uh, so also in this time he had time to add on to his father's code of Uric. so long story short the code of Uric was basically codes for the visigoths you know uh, of them well that didn't affect the roman population that was living within their kingdom and that's where we get this breviary of alaric Alaric tried to preserve the traditions of roman law for the romans to kind of make the continuity because you know rome fell for his subjects a little bit easier there you
0: go um
1: good for him you know make life a little bit you know make more sense to them and uh, the main importance of this kind of code of alec, we'll dive a little bit deeper into dynasty. But so he had enough stability to undertake this project. But at the other end, his kingdom collapsed. So that's pretty <sighs> unstable.
0: He was looking too much inward and not enough outward.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, I guess you could say that. All right. How much do you give him out of five on that one?
0: Oh, for his uh, stability? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the downfall of the kingdom is still a really big detractor. Yep. I can't imagine that you give him any points. Like, I mean, despite the fact that he tried, it still doesn't mean a damn thing if you can't have the uh, military force to back up your laws.
1: Yep, I'll I'll hand that to you. I was going to give him one, but you convinced me zero for
0: me. Yeah, you got to build your house on a solid foundation. So zeros. <laughs> Alrighty. So for Dynasty, we're going to dive a little bit deeper
1: on the brevery of Alaric. The reason why this falls under Dynasty is this gave us a ton of information on Roman law during the later stages of the Empire. Oh, cool. I'm going to quickly go through what this contains because this is going to bore a lot of people. But for anyone who is a nerd like me and interested in the Roman Empire... It gave us – he basically took all of the Roman legal system and every single law and in, inaction that was written in the first tetrarchy, um, so Diocletian, Emperor Diocletian, into one code. So it gave us all 16 books of Theodosian Code. so your favorite Theodosius. That's right. Uh, all the decrees from the emperors of Theodosius II, Valentinian, who we had in our reign, Marcian, Majorian, Libius Severus, all of those we had. Um, it gave the Institutes of Gaius, which was like um, a Roman textbook. It's like a Roman uh, legal textbook 101. Uh, five more books uh, of more legal jargon called the Sentier Receptae of Julius Paulus, 13 Codex of Gregorius, which was legal pronouncement of Roman emperors from 130 AD to 290 AD, and the Codex, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that, Codex H, which is a collection of legal pronouncements from the first Tetrarchy, so this is essentially when Rome is split into four different regions for like a hot second.
0: All right, because I happened to look at the notes. Let's give it a let's give it a shot. Codex homogenenus. There you <laughs> go. I'm going to uh Codex Hermogenius. Uh that's somewhere you're, for, there. you're 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 missing an extra n in there. There's two n's in
1: homogeny. Yeah, yeah,
0: genius. Genius. Gen genius. Okay, yeah, cuz I was looking at the i and the A's, so Hermogeniness, I think.
1: (laughs) So I'm sorry. I'm sure a lot of people's eyes glazed over. I tried to speed through it as quickly as I could. But this gave us a a really good understanding of the way Rome structured its laws, and we may not have gotten it otherwise. This is way above what his dad did. Oh,
0: look at that. He gets a gold star for being a historian's best friend.
1: Yes, and uh, as we discussed later, he was married to a a woman named Theodogotha. We know less about her than Eurik's wife. At least Eurik's wife, we know that she probably had some sort of role in um, kingdom affairs. We know nothing about Theodogotha. Uh, except for that she is the daughter of the Ostrogothic king Theodoric the Great and married to Alaric II to cement the alliance between the two Gothic nations. They had a child named Amalaric who will go on later to be king, so we will get to review him at a way later date. And then also his bastard son, who we mentioned before, Gesalic,
0: will go on to reign just before amalric does wow so he really is just the the end of the end of an era
1: (laughs) it really really is so you know the big elephant in the room is that as a result of his death the kingdom falls apart it basically they will only have spain after this so that i don't know how much you give
0: him on dynasty maybe be one yeah, that's probably about right. I don't want to give him nothing, but he really, yeah. the 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 death of a nation is a pretty big one.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not great.
0: Yeah. So a one and one, so the, two.
1: Granted, the fizzy goss do continue on. It's just different than what they you know used
0: to. Sadder is what it is. All right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, so the real question. How many points
0: did he get? He got a whopping 16 points. Oof. Mostly uh... on the back of alignment. Yeah, I can see that.
1: That was 10, yeah. <laughs> That's. <laughs> yeah, uh, not a great showing.
0: No, no. Who Was he the lowest? No, I don't think he was. No, No. we, uh, if you recall, uh, Thorismund being... The distinction of the almost man who almost got a, a whopping zero. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. You're not going to get much lower than two. So. Yeah, that,
1: uh, yeah. That's true. Okay, Scott. Do you want to raise him to high king, reduce to a lesser lord, or burn him at the pyre?
0: Oh, he's he's burned. Yeah. This is burn not him. even a debate. A death of a kingdom.
1: Yeah. At first, I was going to try and do lesser lord, but nope. Nope, burn The Franks,
0: him. yeah, the Franks would take care of the burning for us. I,
1: I will hand the torch to the Catholic bishops to set up on his <laughs> stake.
0: Yeah, <laughs> then
1: they'll gladly take it. <laughs> yeah, they will. All right, so well, next time we're gonna be doing the Vandals. That'll be exciting to do a completely different little kingdom. Uh, before we close out, I would like, we would like to thank all of you for listening and referring your podcast to your friends and family. Every new listener helps us build our tiny little estate into a kingdom that will hopefully not be shattered in one um, lifetime. And hopefully we can grow it and it, it, we can get big enough to do a little bit of deeper dives on medieval subjects like daily life, uh, lives of saints there's some really fun stories there and reviewing some fictional rulers like the, like King Arthur and how he got beat up by Yurik. <laughs> and also, if you want to expand your influences and have your thoughts spoken on the podcast, please go to the uh, Podchaser link in the show notes. Click follow. Give your favorite history nerds five stars. If you don't know what to say, tell us who your favorite king or queen is and why they fascinate you love discussions about royalty. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at questforpowerpod at gmail.com. And until next time, the king is
0: dead. Long live the king!